I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We meet again. Welcome to another Rugby League Down South podcast and a fourth year and series of the podcast in this form. Uh, No frills, plenty spills though. Uh, Wall-to-wall chat about Rugby League in the south. Okay, so on the programme, I chat to the two London clubs, Broncos and Scholars. Andrew Henderson talks ahead of his first full season as Broncos coach and a second for the club in the championship. The Scholars general manager talks to me um, in an interview I recorded months ago, apologies Angus, about the club's current standing. And we hear about a fanzine being launched under the Rugby League Down South title. Um, Now, I did, in fact, listen to my last podcast the other day, um, the final one of 2015, as I was heading up on my way to Ealing to uh, see the Broncos, a place that I never actually got to, but that's another story. Um, I didn't half churn on about a load of nothing at the beginning of the podcast, so straight on with the content today, except for two short points. One, if you've not heard about the new fanzine which is being produced, all the details you can see now, rlds.uk. That's the new website, rlds.uk. And two, this will unfortunately be my last season doing these Rugby League Down South podcasts. The plan is for me to do them monthly throughout 2016, roughly. Um, More on future plans, though, later in the year. So, the proper content then. Three interviews. Broncos coach Andrew Henderson, London Scholars General Manager Angus Armstrong, and the editor of the Rugby League Down South fanzine, George Clark. I caught up with uh, Hendo earlier this week. I'm somewhat pretty much out of the loop, really, of day-to-day goings-on at the club and sort of on various things in terms of the nitty-gritty detail about rugby league in London and the South. But it means you'll not only get maybe slightly less pressing interviews this year, but maybe more featurey. Um, so it might not be too bad. I just wanted to see, though, how things are, according to Hendo. And here's what he told me. And well, let's start with that game of the weekend. You say a little bit disappointed. People will look at it and maybe think, you know, or oh, how should we measure against last year? Have you looked at it in that way? Um, not really, mate. I, you know, obviously I'm very, very disappointed uh, because there was probably only a couple of players out there that probably delivered the, the minimum standards that we expect uh, individually and, and collectively as a team. So, yeah, it was certainly a bad day at the office for us. There's no hiding behind that. Um, but the reality is it's a friendly. And, uh, you know, I tried a few different combinations out there uh, within the game. Um, you know, I kept a lot of my front rowers on. Uh, for long spells and long periods to get the, the miles in the tank, you know what I mean? Whereas probably the opposition were chopping and changing a lot more regularly. I'm not saying that would have, you know, de- determined the outcome of the game. We probably still would have lost the game, but we might not have had the, we might have made some damage limitation a lot less if I was changing every 10 minutes, you know what I mean, players. But, uh, um, but you know, overall, we just tried to play dry with the football in, in, in wet conditions. And that's what disappointed me the most because I spent a week uh, leading up to that game uh, training on the muddy pitch uh, at Ealing there and you know, trying to drill into the players that we're going to have to play a more disciplined game. You know, we're going to have to kick kick early, finishing corners, you know, defend with a high intensity and, um, 
yeah, and just play almost not the style of football I want to play. Uh, you know, I mean, but it's in these early rounds of the championship, um, you just have to play that boring style of football, go simply, simply, and almost just grind, grind the opposition down to get those wins. Um, you know, we're not the biggest side as well physically. Um, you know, but I said I've, I've recruited the team to play a fast, up tempo, expansive game of rugby league, and we saw signs of that last week at home against the Owies, where even though we weren't great on our first hit out there, um, but there were times when we strung some sets together and we played with some tempo and some good shape and, and, and we, we created some really good opportunities and, and that's the style of football I want to play but like you said when you go away to some of these grounds early in the championship season they are heavy they're boggy and you have to adapt your style of play and you've got to be disciplined with it and I was probably just a little bit disappointed that uh, the players probably didn't respect that enough and, and went out and tried to play that kind of try with the football trying to you know shift the point of attack and play out the back and play expansive and you just can't do it on a tight field in those conditions because you just can't you can't run around and you've got to play through teams um, and play more direct so again it's another week this week of me drilling that into them and hopefully they, they'll learn the lessons from the weekend and uh, we'll be better at Oldham this week. If I'm to wildly generalise about pre-season for Broncos, you could say that there's often seasons where there's a bit of disruption. I think you experienced that um, last year. Uh, it doesn't yeah. look like at the moment. No one's going to leave, as far as we're aware. Um, there's no, uh, yeah, no no changes on the cards. Have you enjoyed that stability as you head into this oh, opening fixture? Mate, absolutely. You know, the great thing is, is you know, I was thinking ahead, obviously, at the back end of last season, and I played quite a lot of uh, young kids at the back end of last year, and the guys that I kind of knew were going to be here next year, I made sure I tried to get them as much game time at the back end of the season, and um, I think that's helped, you know what I mean, in terms of you know, the type of style of play. I wanted to, to implement some of the, the mentality and, and the defensive uh, stuff I wanted to put in place. So I think that helped in terms of our, our pre-season preparation. But like you said, you know, we've had everybody back in pre-season. You know, by sort of week three, majority of the squad was, was back in. Obviously, the guys have returned from international duty. So we've had a, a pretty good, uh, you know, sort of six weeks before Christmas, you know, a couple of weeks now before we leave for the season after Christmas where, like you said, the squad has been together and we've built each week. And, you know, the program I think as well has worked really well for us you know I've, I've got a lot more work into them this year than we put into them last year in pre-season so they've been on the field a lot more they've had a lot more contact sessions um, so I think we've got a lot of, lot of work laid out of them um, to prepare them for, for, for round one so uh, so there's no excuses Ramo, you know, we've prepared well. The program's been good. Um, they're fit, they're fast, they're strong. You know, they've just got to be, as a, as a group, uh, a bit smarter and a bit more disciplined in, in, in how we're going to have to uh, approach the early part of this season. Um, like I said, when we're playing at home and we're on a fast track, then we can we can play the style of football that I want to play. I want to entertain the fans and I want to play an open, expansive game. But we just have to be a little bit different for these first six weeks when we're away from home until the grounds firm up. So, um but, you know, again, like you said, when you're playing those friendly games, I've had, I've had a look at everybody. We've had two friendlies, uh, official friendlies. We've had a, an unofficial training, uh, a post-session against the London Scholars a few weeks back where we, we, we did some really good things in that and we had a good hit out against each other as well and the academy before Christmas. So they've had plenty of opportunities to show me um, and now, I've, you know, I've got a decision to make now for round one and what I think is going to be the, the strongest team available because we do have a couple of injuries uh, available to, to go to Oldham and get the results. So I'm looking forward to 
And what about the championship season this year? We had the big shake-up last year. There was the introduction of the washing machine, as, as David Hughes calls it. Um, the club didn't quite manage to get there, but with the reduced number of teams in Super League, there's more players available of a good quality that are playing in the championship. It does seem like many more of those players have come into the championship for this season. Is it going to be tougher this year than it was last year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you only have to look at the recruitment. You know, I mean, look at the, some of the names and the quality of players that are running around the championship now, like... You didn't see these players running around in the championship three years ago because the money wasn't wasn't in it. Um, the fact now is there's been a lot more investment into the championship, not necessarily from the Sky money, but um, obviously there's been a bit of Sky money invested into the championship, a bit more than normal. But um, I think you're seeing some some uh, some wealthy uh, business people get more involved in the championship. They're they're attracted to the fact that their, their club could get promoted to the Super League. Um, and now what you're seeing is there's four full time teams in this competition now. You know um, that's a first uh, for a number of years and um, you know like you said you look at some of the names now that are running around like you're feeling more and more you know your Dane Westons and Lee obviously probably got the, the biggest marquee signings there but even in other clubs you know people like Daryl Griffin at Fenderston you know who's an established Super League player and former England international and you've you know, even got people like our club people like you said like Wesley Garmers and Nathan Stapletons and you know people like that Mark Ironi you know there's some names from the NRL and then you've got other clubs as well that are facing some, some quality names uh, as well for former Super League and NRL standard players. So, um, you know, then again, we've got some fantastic young kids as well running around in the competition that have, have come out of Super League systems and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know what I mean? So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's really... Um, you know, it's, it's really an exciting competition. But, but then again, you look at the coaching, the coaches that are now in this division. I mean, there's some quality coaches there that have had Super League, international experience. You know, it's just, um, yeah, I think it is a really, really strong competition. And it's, and it's an exciting one as well. Um, you know, and it, it, there isn't really any givens, I don't think. I mean, even this year, I still think it's going to be tough to predict that top four this year. I think there's probably, you could probably argue there's seven or eight teams that are capable of finishing in the top four this year, you know, regardless whether they're full-time or part-time, because a lot of these part-time teams now around, they've stepped up their preparations, you know, they're training longer, they're training more often, um, you know, they're probably paying a bit of better money too to some of the, their players to encourage that, um, so they can compete, you know, better at this at this level. So, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting, it's really exciting. I want to ask you about your um, your pitch and your ground and your, your facilities in a second, but while you mentioned the coaches that are around uh, in the championship level at the moment, I'd either um, completely forgotten or not seen that Jamie Langley had signed for Broncos. It caught me by, not signed, but he was coming down to coach, completely caught me by surprise the other day when I, when I saw his name and then I went, oh yeah, when I read up about it, how is he getting on? Yeah, he's doing really, really well. I mean, I've got, I've known Langus for for a number of years, and uh, you know, he's a, he, the great thing about him, mate, he's a, he's a genuine, honest, honest guy. Um, I know that he, he joined Sheffield obviously last year, and he was he had a sort of a similar role to what I was doing in my time there. So I knew he worked under Mark Aston, who was who was great for my coaching development. Um, and uh, so I knew he'd, he'd been in a good system last year. I knew he had a, a desire and a hunger to go into coaching, and I just thought, uh, you know, when I'm trying to build. You know, a, a team down here, and that's not only the team on the field, but you've got to build your off-field team as well. I just thought he'd be a fantastic addition to the club. Um, you know, he's a, he's a thorough rugby league man through and through. Um, like you said, he's played at the highest level for a number of years, played internationals, he's worked under some quality people. Um, but most importantly, he's got some great ideas and he's a quality person himself. And I think he's a great 
he was the best candidate for me to, to take on our academy and, and instill some of the, the core values and the cultural changes that we, we needed to make throughout the club and continue the good work that Danny Water put in place last year with the academy. Um, I just thought he was a great fit and uh, he's been great. You know, he's done a bit of work with us in the first team as well and I just think he's been a great addition for, for the coaching team. Two more questions, if you will. Let's just start on your um, your pitch and your ground. You offer this is at Ealing Trail yep. Finders. That was all done and dusted towards the end of last year, so you've rolled straight yep. into that. You've obviously got a decent pitch. You want to play nice football on it. Are you looking forward to Is it going to be a good place for you? Does it feel like, as we mentioned at the last game of um, the last home game of last season when I last spoke to you about building a club? Are you building that? Yep. Do you feel that now? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we're at home. Absolutely. I think being back in West London, we feel at home. Um, I think it's no, uh, no hide behind the fact that when the club has been based in West London previously, both at Brentford, Fulham, and, uh, and the Stoop, you know they've had their best crowds. Um, so obviously, rugby league is, is is better supported over this side of the uh, of London. Um, and I think we've seen that in terms of our season ticket sales have gone up dramatically compared to what they were at, uh, at the Hive in, in North London. Um, but the main thing to me, like I said to you, Ramo, the biggest thing I found uh, in my first year last year was I just felt that the club was really disjointed in terms of, you know, like I said, the academy based in South London and playing out of other parts of North London. We were in training at a different facility and playing out of Edgware. And, and I just think there was a real disconnect as well with the with the fans and, and, and just everything, you know what I mean? And um, I just think, you know, Credit to Jason Loops and David Hughes, you know, you know, they took that on board and they've worked really hard to find a facility for us, you know, so we could bring the club together to one side. Um, we've re-engaged with the London Broncos Supporters Association, who have been fantastic and now sponsoring the academy and, and now getting involved with the club because, you know, people like that are the, are the heart and soul of this club and they want to help and see the club do well. And I'm, I was surprised to see that we've lost touch with those sort of people and it was important for me that we reconnected there and got them back on board. And I think now we're starting to see some of the old fans um, that were obviously supporting the club when we're based in West London, coming back to the club. And, and the best thing for me is that we, there is a genuine club feel there at Trial Finder Sports Club. Um, I can't thank the, the people there as well, the staff, Sally Ann Davis, who's the, the general manager there. Um, she's been so welcoming and all the staff there have been brilliant and really accommodated us really well. And we do genuinely feel it at home. Um, we've got a great relationship with the Rugby Union Club being in Trial Finders. I've got a good relationship with the head coach, Ben Ward, there and a, a real understanding so we're not confident with our training programs and everything has just run really, really smoothly. So um, I think it's good signs, it's encouraging. Um, you know, again, we're in the championship and we're rebuilding the club and that's the reality and you've got to start somewhere and, and this is the start of it for me and uh, like you said, we've now rebuilt the team to some degree and again, as long as we're better again this year than we were last year, our aim is obviously to finish in the top four and we know that's going to be a challenge but, you know, I think we are capable and good enough to do that. Um you know, and then obviously the year after we try and build again and we try and keep taking those steps forward. And, um, and like you said, you know, I've just been really pleased with the with the reception that we've, we found at Trial Finders and all the great off-field off work that we're doing as well, you know, in terms of the community, Ramo. You know, we've, we've started to re-engage with the, with the local community of Ealing who have been supportive of the council and all that. And um, I just think there's some real positive signs, you know, going on within the club. But again, it's still a long way to go um, for where we want to get to, but it's a good start. And on that as well, as a, as a final question, the last game, uh, last home game of the last season when I, when I spoke to you, you talked about what Broncos need in a way to, to build a future is 
real rugby league people. And when you look around, it takes time to build those people. But you wanted to bring them into the club to develop the youngsters, to, to have real rugby league people, people who've lived rugby league, I guess like Jamie Langley, you know, but, but Southern people who've yeah. been bred and, uh, and born into it. Are you, yeah. you know, have you noticed anything in that respect? I know obviously it's going to take a number of years to do that, but is that something that is always in the back of your mind when you're looking at things? Yeah, absolutely. Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, my, my philosophy, you know, is I want to build from within. Um, you know, I, I understand that, you know, the, the, the lot of the London kids haven't been playing the game as long and, and whatnot, and uh, we've got to keep challenging them to get better and, and whatnot. Because I think at the end of the day, you know, to be honest, is maybe the future of the club. Um, we need to get to that level where we have got a predominant uh, London-based team. Um, I understand we're always going to have to have an influx of players from overseas and up north. That's just going to be the way it is. But we still need to keep yeah, being strong with our youth development and, prom- and giving kids an opportunity and, uh, and, and, and promoting them. And it's, it's exciting now, even this year, we've, we've still got eight, eight players uh, within our first-team squad that have come through the Broncos system, youth system. That, that's what's really encouraging because you know, the, the RFL have pulled that rule down. You don't have to have seven homegrown players in your squad anymore, but we've, we've managed to keep that. You know, Eight players that have come through the... Uh, through the Bronco system, still here at the club uh, in the first team, which is I think is fantastic. You know, um, and again, that's something that I want to try and continue uh, moving forward. You know, to continue to give these kids an opportunity. I've already spoken to David about potentially if we do well enough this year, and and we obviously got enough money behind us that if that reserve grade uh, competition that's uh, sort of starting up this year, I know a number of Super League clubs have, have looked at trying to run an unofficial reserve grade, and I'm going to keep an eye on that. And if that this credible competition and it's you know it's 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 up and running and we've got the funds to do so. I'm, I really want to have a reserve boat in place next season um, so we can keep some of these kids that are coming out of the under 19s that maybe aren't quite ready for the first thing, you know, but they can step up into that sort of level and also maybe players that we do release, we give them an exit strategy there. So you know, someone like Urjan Balapi, for example, we had to release at the end of last year. Well, if we had a reserve boat in place, I could have said, look, Urjan, you're not maybe not quite ready at the moment for, for where we need to be in the first team, but maybe if you do a year or two in the reserve grade, you may improve and get to the levels that we need and get yourself back in there. So rather than having to dismiss them, and it's a, it's a, it's a frustrating thing for me having to make a call on a kid at 19 as well. And these kids come at some great talent in our academy and then you're having to make a decision on them because there's not enough places in the first team for them. And you've got to basically say, sorry, you know what I mean? You're not ready, which there's not many at 19 that are ready. So, um, so I'm working hard to try and get something like that in place for, for next season if possible um, to give these kids more opportunity and more time in what we know is a late developing sport rugby league so especially too for our London kids who haven't been playing the game as long they probably need that bit extra time as well Broncos coach Andrew Henderson I'd love to hear what you think of what he said and the things that we touched on plenty in there could talk to him for um hours pretty much um i'm not sure the uh, podcast capacity uh, will take it uh, despite andrew henderson probably not having the time to talk to me for that long uh, either busy man uh, but let's get on with the uh, interaction as well i want to see that um, get going again i know that i'm fairly quiet on twitter these days but you can tweet me at ian ramsdale copy in at rlds underscore uh, that's the uh, rugby league down south handle um, and there's a new email rlds underscore at hotmail.com uh, note the underscore in both of the uh, addresses at rlds underscore is the twitter handle and the new email rlds underscore at hotmail.com it all ties in with the new fanzine which of course you can lay your hands on if you visit as i mentioned rlds.uk all the details there it does at the moment just 
forward on to the um, Rugby League Down South pages of my website, which is where all the details are. But we're building a couple of pages or a mini website, so a website, so all the um, info will be there. Now, here's a bit of an admission. I spoke to the general manager of London Scholars at the end of September last year, fully intending for it to be part of a podcast. But you're only just hearing it now. It does make it slightly out of date, um, but there's quite a lot in, in here that's quite generic. So excuse the lateness, and my biggest apology goes to Angus Armstrong, who didn't get the promotion of the Scholars 20th anniversary dinner that he was looking for. I do hope that it all went well. But here is my chat with Angus Armstrong, the general manager of Scholars. I mean, the club's got a, a rich history in, in London, and what well, was initially sort of created for a post-university graduates um, in London over time it's, it's sort of become open to, to all um, and I think we've seen that this year with our the growth of our minis and, and junior section um, and the diversity of uh, you know, kids and, and parents that have been involved in, in that program so um, you know this, arguably the Scholars are the, the most successful rugby league club um, outside of the traditional heartlands of the north um, and over the last 20 years has had consistent re- uh, record growth through that period so I think 20 years, and it, certainly London's um, a challenging market for, for rugby league, and, and sort of where we're based, um, we're sort of in between sort of Tottenham and Arsenal. So um, I think we've done a terrific job to, to lay the platform that we have in, in London for, for rugby league. And what's the event that you've organised? It's a dinner and a, and a guest speaker, is that right? Yeah, so it's, a, it's essentially, um, I suppose, an opportunity for us to, to celebrate um, our 20 years. Um, throughout this year, we've sort of been going through a, a major facility redevelopment here at New River Stadium and we'd sort of hoped, I suppose, to have a bit of an event um, around our, our new clubhouse but, you know, due to a number of factors, you know, it hasn't been finalised by, by the end of the season so I suppose we wanted to acknowledge the, the 20 years and have a, a celebration event. Um, initially, we sort of, I suppose, targeted as, as more of a, a sit-down sort of formal dinner but, you know, the board and, and the club had a bit more of a think about it and thought, you know, we really, really want this to, to be a celebration of not just the Scholars but sort of rugby league in, in London as well. Um, so we decided to, to host this event on, on Friday the 6th of November um, at the Wesley Hotel in Houston. So one thing the club's done is uh, around sort of major events in London, we've, we've always been really supportive of that and tried to, I guess, grow the profile of the game here in London. Um, we've, done, we've done that for a number of years now with the, the Challenge Cup on, on the Saturday at Wembley and then our Friday Night, Friday Night Lights game on the night before. Um, and again, we're looking to do that with, with the dinner falling on the eve of the, the New Zealand versus England International. And you mentioned the, the developments that have been going on at the New River. I'm sure the listeners will be uh, unsurprised to know that in my busy era, I haven't got to the New River Stadium uh, this year. How does it currently look? Because the, the, the pitch went in um, a year ago, or over a year ago now. Um, how is the rest of the development coming along? Well, I guess the, the, the 4G pitch was sort of the diamond in the rough for this year, and I think any of the teams that sort of travelled travelled down and played at New River would have you know thoroughly enjoyed um, playing on such a fantastic pitch. Um, outside of the pitch, it, it, it certainly was a it was a challenge. We we didn't have um, a clubhouse and, and and didn't have change rooms either throughout the year. So initially, we were we were at the um, Woodside School change rooms across the road, um, but decided. Uh, team up with the, the youth centre, local youth centre, and, and use that for change rooms. Um, so it, it's been quite challenging from that perspective to not have uh, you know change rooms, a, a clubhouse and, and bar area to sort of you know enhance the match day experience of both our, our players and supporters. 
What about um, on the field this year? It's been a tough year. It was always going to be a bit of a um, an experimental year, maybe, with, with League One. We talked quite a lot about it last year, about people not quite knowing what to expect, but it looked tough with the uh, sort of the restructuring. Has it been a, a difficult year? Yeah, I think certainly uh, on the field it's, it's been quite a challenging year. I think, you know, with only sort of five, five wins for the year, that wasn't, uh, I guess, what we sort of anticipated and, and wanted from the year. But... Um, you know the first cup games in in March when I sort of first started, um, we had some pretty pretty large losses to to Swinton and York, and then um, you know we, we uh, had head coach Jermaine Coleman came in and he sort of you know brought a, a good proactive approach and, and really brought some new new players to the table, and it, and it probably took a bit of time for the club to and Jermaine to sort of implement his game plan, and I think over the back half of the year. Although you know the the end result wins and losses is probably not as uh, as good as we would have liked, I, I feel like we did we sort of turned the season around and and probably were a little bit stiff not to uh, knock off sort of Rochdale in, the, in that last game and, and got within a whisker of, of York as well. Um, so a lot of positives to take from the year. The, the Southern team sort of knocked us off in the, in the first half of the year. Um, we had that, that major blemish against against South Wales, but we beat all the Southern teams in the in the back half of the year. So I think there are some positives to look forward to, to 2016 and, and um, yeah, looking forward to it. And I guess there's one thing about that level of competition, it, it never seems to get any easier, does it? Yeah, no, it's really hard. And with you know a lot of those sort of championship teams dropping down at, at the end of last year with the, the restructured, it was always going to be a, a challenging year. And I, and I think at, at the level we're at, at you know, the semi-professional level, um, it is quite quite difficult because you know, especially here in London, where you know a lot of our players sort of you know work work sort of long hours, long hours in the city, and then um, you know have to come down to training on on sort of Tuesday and Wednesday nights, and then then again on Saturday, it's you know it's it's, it's always pretty busy here in London, and, and that semi professional um, sort of field is is quite difficult to sort of you know become successful in. You mentioned um, as well, you know, obviously the. Uh, the things that you're doing at the club and the fact that you've only been there uh, for this season. The, the business side of things at Scholars has always been something that have seemed to work out quite well. You know, the business model of trying to um, raise the profile and uh, get as much cash in during the Capital Challenge at the beginning of the year. How, how have you found your first year with Scholars? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it's pretty unique what the Scholars have in, in terms of events and, and, not, and all the contacts we uh, we do have in the, in the city. Um our CEO Hector McNeil, you know, very successful businessman, and, and he's been the, the founder of a lot of those events and, and really getting them off the ground and, and promoting them, you know, through our, our city network. So um, we've got, yeah, obviously the Capital Challenge, which I wasn't involved um, in the beginning of the year, but that, that was a terrific success um, with, with Andy Farrell speaking there, and then also we uh, we had our City Touch, which is the largest we've we've ever had, and that's at the HAC as well. So you know, sixteen sort of big city firms, um, Len Leist with that again, but yeah. You know, Mako Financial Markets and Credit Suisse and some of these you know big banking companies that that I, you know you wouldn't you wouldn't see sort of getting involved with uh, with rugby league clubs at this level. So I think it's quite a unique sort of point of difference that the club has with uh, our city connection. And you mentioned the growth earlier on as well. I mean, you know, we we've often talked about the the level of growth of the game. You know, in pockets of London, across London, across the south, in in various different areas, scholars do seem to be growing. I don't know. I, I've, I've got a feeling in the back of my mind that it's almost like this sleeping giant that in a few years' time could really go on and do something. The, the key to that, I guess, is to, is to keep building and to keep building slowly and sensibly. And I guess, you've, you've you know, from what you said before, that's what you've seen this year. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, you know, I've only been involved with the club for, for seven or eight months now, but in, in terms of our community section, I suppose we really see that as, as the future of the club. Um, our community development manager, Matt Cuss, has done a terrific job, um, along with a number of our volunteers, to to really build that, that foundation. Um, our 13s, 15s and 17s all, all made it through to the final series. Unfortunately, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't get a, a win any of the grand finals, but um, yeah, that was, that was sort of a testament to, to all the good work of our, our volunteers and the talent that's sort of coming through as well. Um, our minis, minis this year, so that's under 7s through to under 11s, we had 45 kids um, involved there and, and how had the inaugural minis and, and juniors festival here at, at New River, which is sort of attended by, you know, 250 plus sort of kids and, and parents so that was a great success and, and we're looking to sort of build on that for next year and, and really sort of create a, a one club culture here at the at the club. You know I ask a lot of people about their their view of rugby league in London their view of rugby league in the south having been involved in it now for um, you know like you say seven eight months what was your opinion has it changed and what do you think of it at the moment? Uh, yeah, that's that, that's that's a really good question. I mean, it, it certainly it certainly is a challenge um, trying to sort of build build a platform in, in London when there there are just so many different sort of sport offerings. I, I guess the the good thing from from my perspective is I, I've come from a sport. Um, I was involved with the the AFL previously in, in Queensland, um, which is you know second tier sport to uh, to rugby league and, and rugby union. So I'm sort of uh, quite experienced in in the challenge that. Um, that that represents. So I think, like I said to you earlier, I think the key is to really build that foundation with our, our minis and juniors um, and then build that into our seniors and, and throughout our program we've got at Southgate and Barnett College, which is a Tier 3 academy program, really start to, to build the base and, of the club and and have events like the 20th anniversary and Capital Challenge and City Touch to, to build that profile in, in London. Um, so, yeah, it, it certainly is a, a challenge, you know, that arguably the, the heartland is you know it's very much in the in the north so um, I think we're, we're making inroads there but there's you know still a lot of work to go ahead the general manager of the London scholars Angus Armstrong more from the League one clubs over the year I have tried to chase other interviews in the last couple of days or weeks but haven't managed to uh, nail anyone down yet one of the issues again with uh, being slightly disconnected and having slightly less time and different shifts I'm not managing to catch up with the people we keep playing telephone tennis many of us um, and don't quite manage to connect at the same time but hopefully we'll do so soon and I was thinking what if I can do an interview a week this year um, which I've certainly got time for um, you'll have at least four interviews in the next episode so um, it's not a bad basis on which to start and hopefully it'll be just a basis as well uh, now on to the rugby league down south fanzine i was approached by uh, george clark um, a journalist who was moving to london has covered rugby league and he wondered whether there was a market out there for a fanzine um, i thought it was a great idea yes i know it's been done before they've come and gone um, but I'd ask you to support this one, see what you think. And um, having chatted with the plans uh, through with George, I thought, well, I'd be de- delighted to have it under the Rugby League Down South umbrella. So that's what we've done. Uh, you can see all the details and hopefully you'll be able to get your hands on one uh, very, very soon this weekend um, of the uh, Broncos. First home game is when you'll be able to get your hands on it, but they are being posted out as well. So I'm not sure if they'll get to you maybe slightly beforehand. Um, They are in print as I speak. But the man behind it is George Clark. And as you'll hear, he says it's success, really, 
we'll be over to you. The RLDS fanzine, I wanted it to be something which was kind of seen as a community magazine. I'd been involved in uh, in Newcastle um, when I was covering the Thunder for League Weekly and League Express. Um, I was involved in producing their kind of match day programme uh, and I thought it would be a great idea. I'd seen your podcast and I thought, why not give it a go? So I, um, so the first sort of, um, I guess you could kind of say it's a, it's a tester, tester edition. Uh, we've got some good stuff. We've got um, Debbie Knight uh, talks about the Scholars playing Wigan in the Capital Challenge and what an important game that is for them. We do a community roundup, so all the clubs from the southeast and the southwest in and around London. Um, there's the return of the governor. He was a formerly a London Bronco a column writer in their program. Uh, there's bits from Phil Kaplan from 4020 magazine. David Lawrenson from the RFL London talks about the varsity match. Um, there's a really good piece with a young up-and-coming writer, Dan Fowler. He talks about uh, why Ian Henderson is the, is the right man to lead London Broncos. And finally, Tim Griffiths talks about the rise of uh, Sean Morris from Oxford Blue to, to Bellevue at Wakefield. Plenty in there. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing it materialise. People can get their hands on it, um, pre-order online or um, get hold of it at the uh, Broncos at the weekend and hopefully other clubs in the future. I mean, why did you want to do it? Obviously, you're um, in your journalism training, but what was it that drew you or drew you towards wanting to do a fanzine while you were in London? Uh, I'd seen a gap in the market, and I'd, I'd always listened to your your podcast um, and thought that yeah, there was there was a gap in the market, and that people would be interested in in reading about not just the professional scene, but also the. So the um, the amateur scene in in the game in the south, um, so fans are able to pre-order from uh, rlds.shopify.com. Uh, it's on the Twitter and the Facebook pages, which is at rlds underscore. Um, and the, yeah, the main reason behind it was I, I wanted to you know I'd always kind of had a, an idea of making my own magazine or newspaper but this kind of seemed a perfect opportunity with um, moving to London from, from the north What have you made of Rugby League in London and in the south having moved you obviously had an idea in your head as to what it was like or what it would be like has it met expectations, does it fall below is it different to what you thought it would be I mean what's your initial reaction I've, I've been really impressed you know when I've sent out emails to, for for requests for if people wanted to write as fans, as chairmen, as players, as as mums that watch on the touchline, that kind of thing, the amount the response has been incredible. You know, we've had lots of people. You know, usually when you email a club and asking for information, you might get a couple of lines. People have just been giving me reels and reels, and fans want to volunteer um, articles and they want to get their their kind of club's name mentioned. And it, it, I don't. I think that's kind of you know. That people are really eager to sort of impress on you the the level and also the um, the passion there is for rugby league in the south. And this is a fanzine. Um, by definition, contributions for the fans from fans are welcome and much needed. If people wanted to contribute, can they? Yeah, yeah. Anyone, no matter what experience. Um, it's not just written content as well. You know, we're also open to, for people with with um, with uh, photos as well. So if you want, if you wanted to um, 
offer your a contribution, whether that be written or via via photos, you could do that by emailing rlds underscore at hotmail.com. Uh, and I'm sure we could work something out um, which will get your work published. The editor of the Rugby League Down South fanzine, that's George Clark. If you want to buy or sign up for our RLDS mailing list, you can head up to rlds.uk. And yes, I did say buy the fanzine. It does cost. It is merely to cover the price of production. Um, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you think it's worth it. Um I'd suggest if it is well received and we get an idea of how many copies and whether certain clubs will stock it and things like that, the price could drop. I don't know, I'm not for certain. It's not really my position to say. It's not my baby, it's George's. He's the man that's doing it. So um, it is a bit of a test initially and when things settle down, it will become um, slightly clearer. But yes, the cost is just to cover the cost of production. Um and hopefully you like it. Maybe if it goes to online only, it doesn't need to be produced. Um, it depends how people would prefer, I guess, to receive uh, their fanzine. Lots more to develop uh, over the year. Um, but if you want to contribute to the fanzine, or in fact to this podcast, you can give your comments on Twitter at RLDS underscore. As I mentioned before, the email, don't forget the underscores, RLDS underscore at hotmail.com. Or you can tweet me anytime at Ian Ramsdale. I will try and be a bit more active on Twitter, although I can't promise. Uh, and on the back, oh, I'll be back with a podcast in uh, well March, the next month. And I say once again, thank you for your continued listenership. It really is appreciated. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 